Welcome to the Stop Coding Automation Podcast, where we all get together to learn more about automation and software testing with your host, Ajamo Adams. Hey, it's Ajamo, and welcome to another episode of the Stop Coding Automation Podcast. Today, we'll be speaking with Mike Williams, the founder of BuildLab, a digital development and automation studio all about the pros and cons of low-code and no-code software development. This is something a little bit different from what we usually do, but it's still down the alley of limited code, so anyone can get involved as and when they need to. Mike has founded two event ticketing companies, MJ Seats and Sharp Seat. MJ Seat was listed in the Inc. 5000 list of fastest growing US companies in 2017 and 2018, finding itself in the top 1000 both years. His success with MG Seats was due in part to automating processes and developing custom technology that created a competitive edge in an otherwise commoditized industry. Upon realizing the powerful leverage that technology can provide a growing business, he became a bit more focused on his latest company, BuiltLab, a company dedicated to developing automation applications, and web development services with or without code. This is not one to miss, guys. Check it out. Hey, Mike. Welcome to Subcoding. Hey, Jama. Thanks for having me here. Great to have you on the show. I'm really excited to learn more about your journey and thoughts. But before we go any further, did I miss anything in the intro you would like to share with the show? No, I think we can uh, expand on it throughout the interview. To kick things off, what is no-code or low-code development? Yeah, well, it's kind of a broad term these days. Some people use it to uh, refer to kind of different things. And, you know, some people refer to some things as low-code, some call them no-code. It all kind of refers to the same concept, though, of kind of creating software and automations and processes with um, not necessarily no-code, but... uh, limited amount of code. You know, a lot of these services, uh, it generally will talk about like Zapier is a very popular one. Airtable, Webflow is a site builder. So it just refers to kind of that suite of tools that helps you build more with less, um, very API focused. You know, most services now have public APIs. That's very common. So um, no-code, low-code platforms connect all those APIs allow non-developers to build things. And even developers like myself, it helps uh, supplement our custom code because we can build no-code automations on the side to do things like testing and just some of the more uh, simpler things. This is something that is is really new industry. And moving forward, I believe it's going to quite grow, especially when it comes to simplifying the way we do, whether it be testing or development in this case. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I was, uh, I mentioned earlier, you know, I, we don't specifically do testing We're we're building apps and workflows, but uh, it certainly, I think can fall right into someone who does testing more of a full-time focus. Um, I can see these tools being uh, super valuable 
you know, not just that it helps you build quicker, but it helps non-developers build. So um, you don't have to bug a developer to, you know, make the small, smallest little change. Yeah. And in software testing, we always try to move to the left as as much as we can. Basically means that you can move as close to development as we can. So issues and defects can be sorted earlier. And usually when something is sorted earlier, it's, it's, it's a lot cheaper. So applications like this could really make that difference. And even for software testers, who's maybe thinking of dipping their toe into the development side of things, this might be something that they could have a look at and maybe kind of explore a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a, there's tools for just about everyone. You know, I myself, I do no code, low code and full code because I, I can develop, you know, some people can't, which, or don't want to, which that's fine. There's plenty of no code tools. There's also low code, which we can get into where you can even write some code, but you don't have to deploy infrastructure. So tools like, you know, AWS Lambda functions and, and cloud functions, stuff like that. Cloudflare has workers where you can write a little bit of JavaScript if you know how and not have to worry about server deployment or anything like that. You can just have the code running on the cloud and you can do a lot of powerful stuff there. What are the pros and cons of no code versus more traditional custom coded solutions in your words? Yeah, well, it, you know, that's kind of changing every day. I would say no code. I've touched on the benefits. Obviously, you can build without being a developer. You can kind of build things a little easier. You know, you can use modules that are built into Zapier and Tegramat that already have, you know, Slack integrations and HubSpot integrations, whatever you're trying to run. So the ease of use and the quickness is definitely a pro of no code. Some of the cons, there are kind of scalability constraints you can run into from time to time. You know, if you're running, for example, really heavy stuff, tens of thousands of tasks a day, most no-code automation platforms charge by the task or by the operation. So it can get pretty expensive if you're, even if it's a really simple task, not very compute heavy, but it's it still counts as a task either way. So I have seen people move more towards code just to kind of get like uh, computing bills down. The other thing, some services like Airtable, which is a popular low-code, no-code kind of database system, they have record limits that are uh, a little lower, might be a little too low for bigger enterprise companies. You know, they they have kind of a 50,000 record limit. So uh, that might be a time where you move to a more proper database or so it's kind of scale is the main thing there. There's a few others, obviously, with code, you have full customization. You can kind of do anything. Whereas with a no-code platform, there may be some features not built into the platform that you need. But it's I've seen every different use case working with clients. You know, there's some that they fall all over the spectrum. Yeah, I think especially with these type of processes, as you said, when it, the financial side of it, I guess, got to be kept in, in mind as you build so, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from with that one. Yeah, and th- there's times that we do this all the time where we use them both in conjunction. So if it's a simple task, say it's just a test, to use the testing example, say you're running checks every hour or so, or even once a day, that's not very. that might not be very many tasks. So that might be perfectly fine to have in no code. Or maybe you do have one task that is going to run thousands or tens of thousands of tasks. In that case, you can still write a no-code application, but you know, say you have an array of values, like 10,000 values that you need to loop through and do a bunch of logic on. 
Um, you can always shoot that off to a, a cloud function, like a Cloudflare worker or AutoCode is another uh, low-code platform. And you can shoot the heavy stuff there via an API call, send it back to your no-code automation, and then continue the processing there. So you can kind of stitch them together as well to kind of optimize the strengths and weaknesses of both. What is your approach when building modern applications? Yeah, well, we, we do a lot of app development. This may not be um, in addition to automation. Those are kind of our two sides. I imagine your audience is, is a little more focused on the automation side maybe, but just to touch briefly on maybe the app side, you know, we do use, even when we do custom code applications, we still like using wherever we can things that are going to take boilerplate and infrastructure off the table for us. So we use serverless platforms a lot. Um, AWS is a very popular one that I'm sure people have heard of. Google has their Google Cloud, and specifically they have Firebase for their app platform, which has authentication, database, functions, you know, all sorts of uh, features right out of the box that um, you don't have to run a server. You can host with them as well. So we are always trying to stay up on uh, the latest tools and find a way to build more with less is what I always say. And on the automation side, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, we take it, try to find the sweet spot of based on the scale with uh, the right mix of no code and code solutions. Yeah, you just answered the other question I was about to ask. So it's just about us. How can automation help businesses? But I think you covered it there really well. I think moving with applications like that, you can, you can kind of hook into you know, AWS, you know, Azure and these type of um, cloud-based platforms where everyone is kind of going to at the moment, you know, when you're looking at microservices and, and stuff like that. I think speed with applications like this, you'll really see the value of it when moving or migrating to these type of platforms. Yeah, I think speed. And also the big thing with me is just that, the just kind of infrastructure stability piece. If I'm using a serverless platform, I'm, or if I'm using an automation platform like Zapier, Integramat, I don't have to worry about. I it's running on their servers. They're handling outages. They have like really good infrastructure on their end. I don't really need to worry about a server going down. Say we've had custom applications in the past where there was some little bug on the server and the server went down, and we didn't even get a notification. We just noticed the app stopped working and. You know, we had to spend the whole day figuring out how to boot back up this server and what was going on. And that kind of those are headaches that are frustrating because it doesn't have to it doesn't deal with actual application or the actual value of the product you're trying to build. It's just messing with infrastructure. And I really hate doing that. So that's a big uh, uh, bonus to using platforms. If there's one thing I can do is second that in my previous IT roles, I've worked in infrastructure, just like what you said there. And sometimes things will go down overnight or something like that. And you wouldn't know until you come in in the morning. And if you have international customers who was trying to use it when it's nighttime where you are, you know, things was down and, and no one knew. So I think anytime you're looking at cloud-based infrastructure, it's definitely the future. And scalability as well, with virtualization fully in place now within IT. You can scale things up or down as much as you need and as much as demand requires, really. Yeah, we use, um, so I mentioned Firebase, which is Google's app platform. We use them all the time. And they, it's you just pay per compute power. So you don't have to worry about 
you know, if, if you overnight you go viral and you get, you know, 10,000 new users, you don't have to worry about bumping up your server. All that happens is your Firebase bill will just adjust um, based on computing. But since they're charging on the compute, you know, that's become really cheap now. And you can get, you know, you can have millions of automation tasks running on Firebase and pay a few cents, you know, per million. So it's really cost effective. And we've never had an issue with bills on these platforms. I mean, it's almost always by the time your bill goes up, it means you have new users and you're ideally making more revenue anyway. So yeah, the the what you get for your money now with these serverless platforms is great. It just balances itself off, doesn't it? You can't complain with that. What are your thoughts on software testing and QA? Yeah, I mentioned um, when we were chatting before, I actually, we're not super focused on testing. We obviously, you know, test things when we build them, but we, we you know, that's something you, you probably know a lot more than me about of, of more proper testing procedures. You know, we obviously do testing just kind of manually where we will just set up a few automations to kind of run data through the system, make sure it comes out the other end, get users in there to actually use it. I mean, that's the best kind of testing to me, especially building an application is just run live data through the thing and, and you know, see what happens and get real users in there and see what happens. So, yeah, nothing. I don't know if I I think your audience is probably a lot more up on uh, the right testing procedures than I am. What? tools and processes do you use to stay productive, Mike? Yeah, well, well, on the automation side, I mean, specifically, I've, I've mentioned a few, you know, Zapier, Integramat, Firebase. In terms of just like internal tools that I use to kind of manage projects and stuff like that, you know, I've, I've been using Notion a lot, if you're familiar with that, to organize projects and stuff in there. We've used Jira in the past as well. Slack for communication, nothing too crazy there. And again, we automate data between those platforms wherever we can. So if, you know, a bug comes through, I I might want to ping someone on Slack automatically about it, right? So they can just start working it and I don't need to email them. So yeah, I think that's kind of it. I I try to keep the tools to a a minimum. We have a knowledge base as well. I I have with Gitbook, but I think that's kind of, yeah, the main stack of tools we use. That, that's pretty cool. I've never heard about Gitbook. I think I'll have to have a look at that one. But yeah, some of my listeners are smaller companies, not, and it, I think it's always good to kind of hear what you know what different individuals use within their space, I guess. So yeah, no, I think I'll have to have a look at some of those tools you mentioned. What is serverless development? It really kind of means what what it says. It's you develop without a server, if you will. Obviously, this space has has come a long way. You know, not to, you know, over a decade ago or something. You know, people might still be setting up their own physical servers actually to uh, run data and, and house data on. That's become with AWS and like DigitalOcean. That's moved more to the cloud. But even with even now, you know, running a server on DigitalOcean, there's actually even easier ways now to do that. And DigitalOcean has their own app platform, but, you know, Firebase and, and AWS do stuff like this where they, it, it's more of you're not touching the server at all. You're not even setting up on the cloud. You're just deploying your code 
um, and they're taking care of the infrastructure. So Firebase, like I mentioned, has you can host functions there and API endpoints. So you can hit these URLs. That's basically your API. You don't have to code your API on some server somewhere. Your database, there's plenty of cloud databases with, you know, Firebase has one built in. But if you want to use a SQL one, there's, you know, a lot of services like Hasura and Heroku can give you a, a database right out of the box. So you're really focused more on the front end um, and writing that actual code. Like if you're writing an application, we're just going to be building out those screens, you know, designing the in- interface and stuff like that. And we just deploy and it does it automatically too. Uh, this is an, another thing that's popular is CICD or continuous integration, where every time we push a change to GitHub, it goes ahead and deploys that app for us. So within five minutes of me pushing code, that's live on the URL, you know, online. And, you know, not too long ago, that was not a, a, as popular a thing. You had to go and uh, log into your server and, you know, pull the new code in and run the app. And nowadays there's, uh, you just push to GitHub and that's it. And it takes it from there. I think you have mentioned so many really good tools in there and in applications that I know myself included will go and have a look at and see what extra value these tools probably could have with us within software testing as well. And it's so nice to see how far, as we said earlier on, these cloud platforms have, have come. You know, one of the things you mentioned is, you know, back in the day we would go and do all these things manually, really. And, you know, if you're looking to raise your silver specs or or any type of resource needed, it was all done manually. But now with these tools in places can really make that, that step forward. Yeah, definitely. And even on like the website side of things. So I, I talked about web applications, but there are services like Netlify is a very popular one that for kind of hosting websites where, like I said, you just put to GitHub, push to GitHub, you hook your domain up in Netlify and they just deploy the site for you. And, you know, Cloudflare is doing stuff like that too, where they optimize and deploy your site automatically. It's they, you know, will build it in a really high performant way. And all you do is deploy the code and they give you an SSL certificate too, right? Because you pretty much need that now. So you have the HTTPS and all that just gets deployed automatically. You don't have to deal with it. I've had to install SSL certificates the old fashioned way, and it's not a fun experience. So I'm really thankful that now all I have to do to deploy a website is create the website. (laughs) Yeah, I've been there as well over the years, (laughs) putting in those SSL certificates. Even where I work, we use Cloudflare for some of our um, forward-facing websites uh, because there's so much configurability can be done within Cloudflare. It's it's crazy, really. So, yeah, yeah, I think those two is, some, is a couple of really good recommendations. Yeah, Cl- Cloudflare, I should mention, I, I've been talking about AWS and Google a lot, but Cloudflare is getting a lot more into the serverless stuff. I, I've definitely been keeping my eye on them um, because they obviously know the web pretty well. And uh, they launched their own serverless functions a little while ago called Workers and they have a product in beta now that's Cloudflare Sites, where you uh, it's similar to Netlify, where you can actually deploy your site and they do all the SSL and all that. They optimize it. They host it on the CDN. So people in San Francisco are getting a, 
uh, it's served from a server near them and people in New York are getting it from one near them. You know, so uh, Cloudflare, I, I'm definitely keeping my eye on them. They're, they're trying to break into that serverless space too. Yeah. And what you said there, you know, regional servers and, and services cuts latency down so much, <laughs> you know, so I, I, I'm a huge fan of anything like that, especially in certain spaces when you look at stuff like trades and, and that type of stuff where I'm, what I'm familiar with, you need something as close to where you're executing these things as possible, you know? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, we've done some a lot of testing with that because I have clients all over, including out of the country. And I, a server set up in Chicago might not be good for everyone. You know, I, I there uh, that's kind of in the middle maybe, but ideally you want it as close as you can. And CDNs are obviously really popular now. That's kind of what Cloudflare specializes in. And yeah, the, and the best part, like I said, is it does it all automatically. I'm not doing any setup to duplicate my code to different data stores. It just happens automatically. And finally, who are some of the interesting people and podcasts you follow? I think uh, I, it's probably more on the development side. So I don't know if if your guys, um, if your your audience is as much into the development side of things. But you know, I always like. I'm a big fan of Tailwind CSS. It's a new CSS framework. And their, their creator, he puts out a lot of really good content. He has a podcast called Full Stack Radio. His name's Adam Wathen. You know, I follow him on Twitter, also his podcast. Another big web framework we've been using now is uh, called Spelt. It's kind of a competitor to React and Vue that we're pretty hyped on. That There's a couple podcasts around Spelt. I think Spelt Radio is one of them. I follow the creator on Twitter, Rich Harris. Uh, they have a lot of really interesting stuff there. And that Svelte is very lean. It's It has that same mindset of, you know, build more with less. So I follow a lot of that. Syntax is another podcast on development that I follow. You know, other than that, I, I think I just follow a handful of, you know, business and kind of agency podcasts to kind of, uh, uh, I'm kind of blanking on their names. There, there's a lot of them, but uh, anything that I think I can like learn from, I'm usually going to try to make time for. Before we go, is there any actionable advice you can give someone who is trying to get into the development industry? And what is the best way to find you, contact you, or learn more about your work? Yeah, I would say uh, I've mentioned a lot of tools on here. You know, if you're really non-technical, I think starting with something like Zapier or Integramat is a great a uh, way to just start playing around. You know, if you want to do some front end stuff like website stuff, uh, Webflow is really great for that now. There's a ton of other tools. Uh, I would definitely say if you're interested in, in kind of what I'm saying and think it could help you out, you know, definitely reach out. I The company site's buildlab.co. Uh, we're happy to, you know, take questions or do consulting or, or do actual integration work if anyone uh, is in the market for it. I'm on Twitter at Mike Though, T-H-O-U-G-H. I don't put out too much content, but I'm on there if you want to say hi. I, my DMs are open, so uh, anyone can contact me there or uh, or if not through Build Lab. And mwilliams.co is another, is my personal site that you can uh, reach out as well. Thank you, Mike, for your thoughts and brilliance. For more about this episode, head on over to stopcoding.co.uk forward slash podcast. So that's it for another episode of the Stop Coding Automation Podcast.
I'm Ajamo, and my mission is to help you succeed in software automation and development and help you get that automation testing job. As always, keep winning, keep testing. Laters. Thanks for listening to the Stop Coding Automation Podcast. Head on over to stopcoding.co.uk for show notes, amazing blog articles, and all you need to get that automation testing job. Don't forget to subscribe to Stop Coding to continue your testing journey. 